welcome to the Wesley Memorial Podcast. Join us this Sunday at 1225 Chestnut Drive in High Point. Visit us on the web at wesleymemorial.org. Now here is this week's message. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to the first chapter in the New Testament. Our text for the morning is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. In the midst of our worship, God speaks to us. Most of us are probably more familiar with Luke's version of the birth of Christ than we are with Matthew's version of the birth of Christ. Today we're going to be looking at Matthew's version of the birth of Christ. When you look at Luke's version of the birth of Christ, you notice that, that Mary is very central to the way Luke portrays the nativity. But when you look at Matthew's account, you'll notice that Joseph is very central to his portrayal. Matthew chapter 1, I'll begin reading at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. And you, you, Joseph, are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named that son Jesus. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Church, would you pray with me? God, we're here in this place today because we sincerely seek to be overwhelmed by your presence, to be overwhelmed and made new by your love. May that happen to each one of us this day. God, we do not just want a religious area of our lives or a religious department of faith. We want you to take us and possess us and make us completely yours. So speak to us, Holy Spirit, in this hour. 
and give each one of us ears to hear what you're saying to us and give us the courage and give us the grace to be further transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. It is in his mighty name that we pray. Amen. Both of my children, Elizabeth and Caleb, were born right here in High Point, North Carolina. Around 30 years ago, they entered this world at what was then High Point Regional Hospital. And that was a wonderful, remarkable time for, for me and for Tammy as we welcomed our children into the world. There are many, many things I remember about those days, and those days were so special and so remarkable in so many ways, and those of you that are parents can relate to what I'm saying. Those were exciting days, but one of my prevailing memories of my children coming into this world was the great sense of responsibility that I bore in taking those children home from the hospital and committing and endeavoring and trying to raise those children into adulthood, raise those children into the Christian faith, raise those children by being a godly father. So, for obvious reasons, I have great, great respect for Joseph, the Joseph here in this text, the Joseph that was the adoptive father of Jesus, it is an awesome thing to raise a child. And I don't use the word awesome as lightly as most of the people in this society uses the word awesome. It is an awesome thing to raise a child. And when I think about Joseph, the adopted, the adoptive father of Jesus, I do remember that line from that song written by the Christian artist Michael Card when he asked, how can a man be father to the Son of God? I have great, great respect for Joseph, the adoptive father of Jesus. I hope that you too have great, great respect for Joseph, the adoptive father of Jesus. We should all endeavor to love Mary as much as Jesus loves Mary. We should all endeavor to love Joseph as much as Jesus loves Joseph. I hope that you have great respect for Joseph, but oftentimes when I think about Joseph and Joseph's role in the life of the church, even Joseph's role in the season of Christmas, I think that Joseph could, if he chose to, relate to what Rodney Dangerfield always said, I don't get any respect. I don't think Joseph gets the respect that Joseph should get in the story. No one wants to be Joseph in the Christmas pageants. You know, if you're married, you get to hold the baby. If you are a shepherd, you get to come and bow down and pay homage and worship and adore the newborn king. If you're one of the wise men, you get to come and bring a gift to the baby. Even if you're an animal here at Wesley Memorial, you get to make the animal noises as you come to the manger. And throughout all of that, Joseph just gets to stand there. I remember one particular Christmas pageant several years ago. 
when Tammy and I were at Archdale United Methodist Church and my children were very young, I think my son was probably seven or eight years old, and they asked him to be the Joseph in the Christmas pageant. And we were all gathered there in the sanctuary, as a full sanctuary, and we were there to watch the children present the Christmas pageant that year. And of course, Mary, I think that was one of the Swanner children, Mary and Joseph, Joseph was my child, Caleb, they came in with the baby Jesus. I'm sure the baby they were carrying was a, a doll. They came in with the baby Jesus. They made their way to the manger. And about the time they got to the manger, Mary got spooked, and Mary ran from the manger. And that was a, a, an interesting pageant that night. My son, being a dutiful PK preacher's kid, stood there by the manger. He had become suddenly a, a single father at the manger. <laughs> but I really liked that because that was one of the few Christmas pageants when I think that that Joseph got the due that Joseph should get in a Christmas pageant. I have great respect for Joseph. I hope you have great respect for Joseph. Joseph is mentioned several times in the New Testament, but perhaps you know that Joseph never says a word in the New Testament. Joseph is the silent man of Christmas. In many ways, Joseph is the forgotten man of Christmas. He seems to always be rather in the background of the story, which is why I'm so grateful that when Matthew presents his account of the nativity, Matthew puts Joseph front and center. And that's the text before us this morning. Even though Joseph is mentioned in the New Testament, he never speaks a word. Here in chapter 1 of Matthew, in these verses that we're looking at this morning, we see the most concentrated focus on Joseph that we find in the New Testament. Look at the text and, and see if you can pick up the kind of person that Joseph was. Verse 18 Matthew says, now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged, I prefer the word betrothed, because betrothal in the first century Judaism was very different from engagement in our culture. In the first century, betrothal had the legal bearing of marriage. In the first century, you notice in this text I'm using this morning, both Mary is referred to as wife and Joseph is referred to as husband because that's the way it was seen when betrothal took place. Betrothal was very binding in the first century. And to break a betrothal in the first century, you had to bring about a writ of divorce. And that's considered here in this text too. But it says that Mary has been betrothed to Joseph, but before they live together, usually betrothed for a year, and then the husband and wife get to come together in the first century. So you see here that it says that before they live together, she, Mary, was found to be with child. But Matthew makes it clear, with child by the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, her husband, notice he's referred to as husband, her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. 
Perhaps you know that according to the book of Deuteronomy, the penalty for adultery, adultery in a betrothal, was stoning. That was the prescription, the penalty for adultery in the book of Deuteronomy. Even by Jesus' day, though, that because of the rabbi's teaching was rarely, rarely, rarely ever carried out. But it would have been a tremendous disgrace to Mary for her to receive a writ of divorce at this point and for Joseph to put her away. But he decides to put her away quietly. He wants to protect her dignity. And we learn so much about Joseph from this one verse in the Gospel of Matthew. It says he was a righteous man. And I'm glad the translation in front of me says righteous. Oftentimes contemporary translations just say he was a just man. And I don't like to translate the word there in the Greek into the English just because today most of us think just just means fair. And the word here means so much more than fair. The word here in the Greek is dikaios. It's translated in this translation, he's a righteous man. The word dikaios means, it meant in first century Judaism, that this was a person that deeply believed in God. This was a person who observed the word of God. He observed the Torah. He kept the law of God. And he was a righteous man. He was in right relationship with God. And as a result of being in a right relationship with God, he was also in right relationships with other human beings. So just this one word, dikaios, righteous, tells us a lot about Joseph. But what he chooses to do here, his actions tell us a lot. His action here tells us that he decided at least at this point in the story, to put Mary away quietly because he's a righteous man. He decides that it's better most of the time to be kind than to just be right. He could have demanded his rights at this point. He could have exacted vengeance on Mary because Mary is now with child and he's about to learn. It is an immaculate conception. It's the Holy Spirit who is made her with child, but that's a hard sell for most human beings. That's not what he was assuming at this point when his betrothed was suddenly discovered to be with child. He decides, though, to put her away quietly, to divorce her quietly. He wants to do the kind thing, the caring thing. It's always better, church, to choose the kind way, the caring way. Preserve the other person's dignity. That's what Joseph is doing here. But verse 20 happens. And Joseph learns something and Joseph decides to do otherwise. Verse 20 says, but just when he had resolved to do this, to put her away quietly, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. It's probably Gabriel. We aren't told that here, but we keep in this section of Matthew and Luke, the nativity sections of Matthew and Luke, we keep running into Gabriel, so it may be Gabriel. An angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream. This happens four times in the Gospel of Matthew. Joseph, the adoptive father of Jesus, is a dreamer, just like the Joseph in the Old Testament. So the angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream and says, Joseph, Son of David, the only other person ever called Son of David in the New Testament is Jesus. 
Here Joseph is referred to, son of David, do not be afraid. Angels always sort of have to say that. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her, he says again, is from the Holy Spirit. That's what we call the virgin birth. Is central to Christianity and Christian faith. So the angel says, she is with child and the father of the child is God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then verse 21, the angel says, she will bear a son and you, Joseph... You are to name this child, and you are to name this child Jesus. The name Jesus means God saves, but should you not know that? The angel goes on to say, for he will save his people from their sins. That's what his name means. But you, Joseph, get to name the child. You, Joseph, are to name the child. This is the act of adoption in the ancient world. This was Joseph taking the child and making the child his own. Can you imagine the sense of responsibility at this point? How can a man be father to the Son of God? But Joseph accepts the responsibility. Matthew tells you this is all in fulfillment of Scripture. And he quotes Isaiah chapter, four, chapter 7 verse 14. He says this child will be Emmanuel, God with us. And then verse 24. Again, we don't hear anything from Joseph. But look at what Joseph does in verse 24. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son. And he, Joseph, did exactly as the angel said and named this newborn son Jesus. And this is Matthew's nativity story. The angel spoke on behalf of God to Joseph, and Joseph just obeyed what Joseph was told. You know, I think back into the Old Testament. When God spoke to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, Moses brought four excuses to God as to why he shouldn't do what God was telling him to do. In the Old Testament book of Isaiah, when God was telling Isaiah what he should do. Isaiah brought the excuse and said, I'm too sinful. When Jeremiah was spoken to by God and was given, given a task by God, Jeremiah said to God, perhaps you remember, I'm too young. But as soon as Joseph was given the task, Joseph took Mary as his wife, took Jesus as his adopted son, and did not have marital relationships with Mary until after the child was born. So in Joseph, we even find an example for sexual purity and how desperately we need those examples in our culture today. Mm. So there's Joseph. I have great respect for Joseph. I also hope you have great respect for Joseph. When we look at the teaching of Jesus in the New Testament... There's several things that's new in the New Testament from the teaching of Jesus. One of those new things in the New Testament is how often Jesus calls God Father 
It's rare in the Old Testament, about three times as a matter of fact. And those three times, God is referred to as the Father of Israel, the people. But here in the New Testament, Jesus is forever calling God Father. Sometimes he even calls him Abba, which is the Aramaic word for Daddy or Papa. But the really remarkable thing is in the New Testament... Jesus said we too can call God Father, our Father who art in heaven. And if you notice in the book of Galatians and in the book of uh, Romans, we are told that the early Christian community frequently would refer to God, not just as Father, but as Abba. The early Christians even referred to God as Abba. The Jewish community before that point would have said that's way too familiar, is way too presumptive, way too informal to call God Father, but throughout the New Testament, Jesus is saying that we can call God Father. I think Jesus had a great, great fondness for the word Father, for the word Abba, Papa, Daddy. And I think part of the fondness of Jesus for that term perhaps comes from Jesus' relationship with Joseph. Joseph was a tecton in the Greek. Sometimes that gets translated carpenter, but you need to be careful when you translate it carpenter because when you think about carpenters in the 21st century in High Point, North Carolina, you think about wood. Some of you have traveled to Israel, and one of the things you notice in Israel, there's not a lot of wood in Israel. A tecton could work with wood, but most of the time a tecton worked with stone. Most of the time, a tecton really was what we would call a mason. But a tecton was someone that worked with his hands a tremendously honorable way to make a living. He worked with his hands. Joseph was a tecton. Joseph taught Jesus to be a tecton, according to the New Testament. We call both of them carpenters in our language. Jesus probably heard much from Joseph and Mary about the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. You keep hearing Jesus quoting the Hebrew Bible over and over in the Gospels. I'm sure that it was probably Joseph that helped Jesus know enough Latin and Greek besides his native Hebrew to get along in the world because you had to in the first century. And that's why he could talk to like Pontius Pilate. I think it was Joseph who tried to train up Jesus and the way that he should go along with Mary. We don't know what happens to Joseph. We know that he was a man of great righteousness, a man of great faith. There will come another point soon after this point when the angel would speak again to Joseph and tell Joseph to protect his family and Joseph would put everything down and he would take his family to Egypt. Perhaps you remember that story. He did that to protect his family. That's the story of Joseph. We need role models in our culture. Men, I particularly want to speak to you. We particularly need male role models in our culture. I commend Joseph to you as a role model, a righteous man who who was obedient to God, who worked to protect his family. We don't know what comes of Joseph. We know that by the time Jesus enters ministry, when Jesus is 30, Joseph is no longer around. 
In the Gospels, we see Mary and the other children of Mary, but we see nothing about Joseph during the ministry of Jesus. Perhaps Joseph was much older than Mary. That's part of the tradition of the Christian community. Perhaps he was older, but perhaps not. In the first century, women were usually betrothed when they were somewhere this is a little startling, between 12 and 14, certainly no older than 16. And the men were usually betrothed when they were 16 to 18. So perhaps Joseph was just a little bit older than Mary. Perhaps Joseph died a tragic death. We don't know. We just know that Joseph is not around when Jesus enters his ministry. But we know that the impact of Joseph went with Jesus the rest of his life here on this earth. So when we think about our place, when we think about our place in Christmas, when we think about our place in the drama of Christmas, when you think about our place in God's great drama in human history and the role we are to play, I encourage you to remember Joseph.